0: Welcome to the Aspen Chapel podcast with me, Nicholas Feezy. <clears throat> well, it was uh, fantastic um, seeing the monks. Who was there for the monks last week? Anybody here for the monks? Wasn't it amazing having them here? And I'd like to especially thank uh, the Patamkin family for once again providing an amazing source of inspiration. They were sort of here all week, and it was absolutely fantastic. You know, we, you know just such an incredible thing. And, um, and their presence... Uh, here really brought up a desire in me to explore the subject of reconciliation. It was something that the, uh, Geshe Lobsang Lebs- uh, Tensing, their leader, said made me realise that reconciliation is such an important idea at the moment. I think it's also an important idea for all time. We have a need for reconciliation at the moment between nations, between cultures, between religions, between peoples. The need for reconciliation in politics, in the culture wars, in economics, in society. There's a need for reconciliation between humanity and the environment, the planet. There's a need for reconciliation within our communities, within our friendship groups, and within our families. There's a need for reconciliation here in the chapel. And as human beings, there's a need for reconciliation between, I think, our minds and our bodies. Often, our minds and bodies are out of whack within ourselves. Sometimes our minds don't serve our bodies or our bodies don't serve our minds. And most important of all, I think, there's a need for reconciliation between our minds and our bodies and that great spirit of all that's at the centre of the universe, the reconciliation between humanity and that divine nature. The purpose of many religions is to enable that reconciliation to take place you know human beings try to propitiate God or gods with their behavior in fact you know the whole of the Christian religion is an attempt of reconciliation between man and God Jesus is supposed to have come to reconcile man to God Some say his death was an act of propitiation, you know, he died for our sins and all all that sort of business. Now I would not go along with the idea that there is some sort of angry God out there who we have to make like us, but I would say that as humans we have to reconcile ourselves with the struggle that we have in our lives and therefore with the essence of all things. There's a need for reconciliation within us and all around us lovely little quote from Thich Nhat Hanh. Thich Nhat Hanh says, the great sutra says there's nothing to attain. We meditate not to attain enlightenment because enlightenment's already in us. We don't have to search anywhere. We don't need a purpose or a goal. We don't practice in order to obtain some high position. In aimlessness we see that we don't lack anything that we already are what we want to become and our striving just comes to a halt we are at peace with the present moment just seeing the sunlight streaming through the window or hearing the sound of the rain we don't have to run after anything We can enjoy every moment. People talk about entering nirvana, but we're already there. Aimlessness and nirvana are one. I wouldn't say that to my son who's about to go to college, but that is a description of reconciliation between ourselves and our lives. So you can see the extent that reconciliation is a key to creating a peaceful world the word reconciliation comes from the root latin word re which means back and conciliare which means to bring together so the the etymology of the word reconciliation is to bring back together that's what it means to bring back together the first, you know, the first obviously interesting thing is that we're not just bringing together, we're bringing something back together, which means that whatever it is is being reconciled was originally together, then became apart, and then is brought back together again in the reconciliation. And that's obviously where the difficulty arises, Because you have to come from a place that says that once we were together and then we're split and then we have to be brought back together again. You have to admit that at some point you were together. And it's difficult because in the case of humanity it involves things like forgiveness and compassion. In forgiveness... We have to give over, forgive. We have to give over the hurt that we have. We have to give the hurt to let it go. And to do that, it helps to have compassion, the compasio, the feeling with another, to feel with, com with, passio feeling, to feel with another, who we're being reconciled with. That's difficult at the level of individual relationships, and it becomes even more difficult when it comes to groups and nations. But it's possible. Look at the change in relations between the way that we look at Japan and Germany since the Second World War. We have been reconciled. We've been brought back together to a large extent. And that involves forgiveness, and it involves compassion. It also involves something else. It involves truth, which is why truth is such an important commodity. Without truth, you can have no reconciliation. Without truth, you can have no reconciliation. Look at South Africa's truth and reconciliation commission the truth has to arise in order for the reconciliation to take place through telling the truth both compassion and forgiveness are possible and what could have been a bloodbath in south africa was avoided and that's why truth is key to our ability to create reconciliation between ourselves politically Culturally and socially. We cannot forgive or be compassionate if we're not able to witness the truth in a situation. Which is why people often make it difficult for us to find the truth. If there's an obfuscation around the truth, it's a sure sign of an intent to control. The obfuscation around the truth is a sign of an intent to control. We don't want this or that truth revealed because we're not looking for reconciliation or compassion or forgiveness. We have another agenda, and that agenda is to steer in a particular direction, irrespective of what the actual truth might be. Look at the way dictators try to control our, free, our media and free speech. They don't want the truth because their agenda is to control rather than reconciliation. But without reconciliation, there can be no peace, only the struggle between competing agendas. And dictators are not looking for peace or reconciliation because they want to be in control. They think they can dominate their way to peace However, they don't realise that this peace through domination or the Orwellian idea of peace through strength, and you hear that a lot, peace through strength, is in fact an oxymoron. You cannot have peace through strength because the very violence that you're exerting through your strength will never bring the peace that's looked for which is why dictatorships will always end in failure. As Gandhi famously said, when I despair, I remember that all through history, the way of truth and love has won. There have been tyrants and murderers, and for a time they seem invincible, but in the end, they always fall. Think of it, always. That's Gandhi. And, you know, both Gandhi and Dr. King are right. Nonviolence is the only answer because it can reveal truth. It can lead to compassion and forgiveness and therefore produce that reconciliation that ends struggle. Reconciliation ends struggle. To have An end to struggle, we have to have reconciliation. All the great peace solutions begin with reconciliation. And where there is no reconciliation, the struggle flares up again. Which is why the First World War led to the Second World War. We wanted to punish Germany by ruining their economy, and the result was the rise of the Nazi Party. As we look into our world today, the only way that conflicts will be resolved is through reconciliation. Where one or both parties will not be reconciled, the struggle will carry on. Russia and Ukraine will have to tell the truth to each other about their fears, their hurts, their problems. Then there has to be compassion one for the other, and then forgiveness, which will lead to peace. Now, it may sound far-fetched, but it has to be that way, and it will be that way eventually in the end. In Korea, you can see the border as a clear example of a lack of reconciliation, where there is no truth, no compassion, and no forgiveness, therefore the struggle goes on. In Northern Ireland and in South Africa and even in Colombia after, and after the Second World War, we had truth, compassion, forgiveness and reconciliation. That may not hold and could flare up again, but you can see the difference, particularly in Northern Ireland, where there was that reconciliation. And to some extent, here in America... We see the echoes of the civil war and the lack of reconciliation in the civil war, in the culture wars that we have today, where in some cases there's not been reconciliation there and the struggle continues. There's not been truth, there's not been forgiveness, and there's not been compassion, and the struggle continues. I've always said that on a world stage, the only answer to all of this is global citizenship, where all nations become reconciled to one another and we identify globally rather than as national countries. That's where we have to be identifying, where the truth is told, where there is compassion for each other and where there is forgiveness and where we're reconciled and we're brought back together again With the earth as our home and the the recognition of all humanity as being from the same family. I mean, you know, it's true. All humanity is from the same. You know, who cares if you're Chinese or American? You know, we're we're facing the same problems. You know, it's going to come. Whether it's 400 years' time or whenever it is, it's going to come. You know, you may think that this is a kind of world peace that's, that's aspired to by Miss World competitors. You know, what do you like? What do you most want to do? I'd really like to have world peace. You, know, you may think it's at that level. However, it will come eventually, even if I say it's two or three or four hundred years away, because we have to come together in this way in order to survive. Which brings us to our reconciliation with the planet surely the most important issue of the modern era. Whatever we can do to each other in wars is nothing compared to what the planet can do to us if we are not mindful of it. If we are not mindful of it. We have to become reconciled with our planet or it will destroy humanity in order to preserve its own survival. And the process is the same. We have to tell the truth about how we have pillaged and raped our planet for our own ends. We have to have compassion on the planet to feel with its pain. And we have to forgive ourselves enough in order to act together to turn a corner. But we do not tell the truth. We make it about jobs and the economy. About politics and culture wars, about wokeness and about socialism. Anything but tell the truth that our behavior is despoiling our home and that soon it will become uninhabitable. We have to tell the truth to each other now about, you know, what all of this, in order to give us time to generate the compassion and forgiveness because that's what we need to make the changes that are needed. Without reconciliation with the planet, we have no future. In all cases, in all these cases, reconciliation produces symbiosis. Symbiosis is the interaction between two different organisms living in close physical association, typically to the advantage of both. Our nations need to develop symbiotic relationships in order to be able to create a right relationship with the planet and therefore prosper. So we have to be reconciled as nations. We have to be reconciled with the planet. And in order for this to happen, we have to be reconciled within ourselves and as individuals. We have to strive not to to be right, and to control, but to tell the truth and forgive through compassion. And that includes our families, where we're often unwilling to tell the truth, have compassion, or forgive. It includes our friends, our work colleagues, our communities. Where we don't feel recognized, where we don't feel reconciled, we have to tell the truth to ourselves in order to open up for reconciliation to take place. Where we, don't feel recogni- recon- where we don't feel reconciled, we have to tell the truth to ourselves about that lack of reconciliation. Now, it's not always appropriate to go up to someone and blurt it all out. And often, that will just exacerbate the situation. I don't feel recognized with you because, you know, you know I mean, it just never works to do it like that. But if We've told the truth to ourselves about not feeling reconciled and have some handle as to why that might be. And if we hold ourselves open to reconciliation, then the opportunity just might come along where the truth might be welcomed by the other. The opportunity just might come along and compassion might lead to forgiveness and reconciliation. Our part is to be open to that, to be willing for it to happen, and to be prepared to be vulnerable when the opportunity arises. And that means telling the truth to ourselves about our relationships, to recognize those people that we don't feel you know, reconciled with. We feel there's something still out there that needs to be dealt with, where there's still a space where there's a need for bringing back together, and we have to be willing to take advantage of any opening that we're given. In reconciliation, the willingness is all. If we're willing, then the means can appear and we can take advantage of it. This is so needed in all our families, our friendship groups, our work environment, our communities, our politics, and our culture, and our religions. Last week, I asked Lexi and Geshe how they saw religions coming together. And once again, the spirit of reconciliation is what's required. The telling of the truth, having compassion for each other, which means, in this case, listening and hearing without trying to be right. It shouldn't be, why my religion is better than yours. It should be, what can I learn from your religion that will make me better at mine? What can I learn from your religion that will make me better at mine? I've always said that religions, I think, are cultural interpretations of a common experience of humanity or cultural interpretations of a common experience of divinity, cultural interpretations of a common experience as that which is at the centre of all things and the experience of being part of a greater whole. And surely we can learn from each other and be reconciled to the fact that the experience is the same for every human being, whoever they are and wherever they were born. And that leads to us, us to the ultimate reconciliation, and that's the reconciliation with the great source that bore us. That's the reconciliation with God. That is the reconciliation with that which is ultimately the center of all things. Reconciling ourselves to... Bringing ourselves together again with the universe that we're part of. We are the universe made conscious of itself. And the realization of that is the ultimate reconciliation. We are reconciled, brought back together with the universe that bore us. I'm finishing soon, so don't panic. But I'm just going to repeat that tick Nat Han quote, which I just think, you know, having gone through all of that, just that tick Nat Han quote saying the Heart Sutra says there's nothing to attain. We meditate not to achieve enlightenment because enlightenment's already in us. We don't have to search anywhere. We don't need a purpose or a goal. We don't practice in order to to obtain some high position. In aimlessness, we see that we don't lack anything, that we are already what we want to become, and our striving just comes to a halt. We are at peace in the present moment, just seeing the sunlight stream through the open window or hearing the sound of the rain. We don't have to run after anything. We can enjoy every moment. People talk about entering nirvana, but we are already there. Aimlessness and nirvana are one. That is the deep essence of reconciliation. It happens in our hearts, in our spiritual practice whatever that might be. It's us coming back to being reconciled with, with the reality that is all is one. And we are part of all of that and we are one with that. Just to make sure this is a sermon and we are in a, a church, Jesus actually spoke it absolutely perfectly when he said, I am in the Father, I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. That is the Christian expression of that perfect reconciliation that each human being is being drawn towards, whether they accept it or not. It is the end point of spiritual practice and the beginning point of a life lived without struggle and for the peace of the world. That's what we stand for here at the Aspen Chapel. That's our aspiration for all humanity. thanks for listening. If you feel moved to make a donation to the chapel, please go to aspenchapel.org. Thank you, and if you'd like to receive these podcasts regularly, subscribe to the Aspen Chapel through Apple, Google Play, YouTube, or any other outlet.